Welcome to Resi Talk, where real estate sales instructors have unfiltered conversations about real estate with industry leaders and inspiring people. On this episode, we are interviewing former Resi, current real estate rock star, Mark Middleton, the guy we all want to be. If you are loving what you're hearing, as we know you will, Make sure you visit resitalkpodcast.com and sign up for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to Resi Talk. I'm your host, Cassandra Gallego, and I'm sharing the podcast stage with my fabulous co-hosts, Pam Victorias and Laura Gilmore. Today- Hello. Today, we have an incredibly special guest. His son, Cameron, who I'm obsessed with, is a six-year-old golf prodigy and trick shot artist, and I'm pretty sure my husband wants to be Cameron. His wife is a saint. Yes. (laughs) Can I get an amen? And he actually received a glowing endorsement from last week's guest, Wendy Crane, our VP of learning for Coldwell Banker. We decided that the world needs to meet this mystery man, Mark Middleton. He's a former resi and a current real estate force to be reckoned with. Welcome, Mark Middleton. Welcome, MM. Thanks for having me, everybody. I'm glad to be back with you all. He used to be one of our real estate sales instructors, and now he's applying the goodness to his business. And and, and guys, he's killing it. Killing it. We knew he would. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I think, uh, Laura, do I still hold the record for AMP graduates and appointments? No, I I came within 100 of you, just so you know. Yeah, so it's still me then. So I still have the record in that too. So besides being the most decorated resi i guess now i'm a decorated agent sorry laura one day here he's also super humble (laughs) super humble this is not a business for humility in case you haven't realized that's 100 percent true well this is kind of awesome because uh mark went back into the world of real estate and Pam is is actually the current resi for Mark's former territory. So it's going to be kind of fun because Pam's going to ask her predecessor questions to kick us off. So you ready for this? How is it that I'm teaching all the classes and he's making all the millions out there? I don't, I don't know. This right. is what we're talking about. That's okay. I love what I do. It's just a couple rapid fire questions. Uh, quick on your feet. I know you are. So since you were previously a real estate sales instructor, what are the top five things you taught that when you put into practice, got you immediate dollars in the bank? Five things. Number one, making your calls. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. I used to beat it over the head to my Miami and Naples agents. Five calls a day, five, six days a week is 25 to 30 contacts. That means you're going to get one appointment, right? Because the ratio is 30 to one. Um, And if you're really good, the ratio is 15 to one. So as long as I make my calls, I'm happy with that. Number two is going after the low hanging fruit might be expireds or FISBOs. So that's what I went after. I'm actually selling in Naples. My business was in Miami. So I had to start completely from scratch over here with no sphere of influence, no anything, no farm. I didn't even know the communities. Uh, I was fortunate to partner up. I can't um, do this whole thing without mentioning her name, Jennifer DeFrancesco, who was one of the top agents out of our office. Having her tutelage helped me with the neighborhoods. Uh, So that got me started immediately well, because I didn't know one HOA to another. I didn't know, I didn't even know the contract. Naples has their own contract over here called the neighbor contract because they want to be special in Naples, you know? So things like that were really important to hit the ground running. I'd say the third thing is using our tools, right? So I immediately, I mean, my first day, February 15th, my first day selling, I had my new Moxie presentation ready to go. 
my CRM was being updated. I was already importing people over the weekend, I had my custom domain name, all that stuff already you know, rocked and ready. Uh, so using our tools was very important. That's three things right there. You said five. Yeah. Number four is consistency, being consistent. I can't stress that enough. You're not going to win over FISBOs if you call them one day and you don't call them ever again. So you got to be consistent. Well, that leads me to number five, tracking. So I have a giant spreadsheet, put every single for sale by owner from Marco Island to Fort Myers on a spreadsheet with their address, their phone number, all that stuff. And I track it and I highlight the ones that I've been in. I've crossed out the rude, awful people. Um, <laughs> I highlight the ones that list with somebody else. I put who the agent is. Um, I highlight the ones that sold, you know, like that's one thing we used to talk about in AMP class was you're not going to sell your house by owner. So what are you doing? Well, in this market, they are selling. Yes. Right. I'd true. say about right. 20 to 30% of my for sale by owners do sell yes. without listing where it used to be what, eight, 9%? Eight. But how much are they selling it for? I really do want to highlight, and you are on the phone two to three hours a day calling, prospecting. Did I hear that correctly? Yep. I mean, you just got to do it. It's not that fun. I'll do it for about an hour straight if I can, maybe 45 minutes. You know, I remember, um, you know, uh, when I was teaching in Miami and Nancy Corey, was, is the RVP over there. And she was a huge motivational person for me. And she was, she said, one of my first AMP classes, you know, what do you do if the first call you make is a yes? And, and kind of stop people in their tracks. What happens? People get excited. They jump into the CRM. They jump into the MLS. They hurry up and do a, a CMA. They start printing stuff. And then the FISBO or the expired cancels on you, or they're a weirdo or the house is terrible or whatever. And you gave up all your prospecting time because somebody said yes. So if they say yes at 9 a.m., great. I'll meet you at one o'clock. Can't wait to see you. Bye. And then hang up and just keep going for the rest of the hour because you don't know what's going to happen. I'd be remiss if I did not mention the, the, the most amazing golfer I've ever seen. And I've been to the Masters, by the way. Oh, good for you. I got lucky one year with, with that lottery. The lottery, yeah. We won the lottery a few uh, years ago. We got to go. So cool. Your son, he's six years old and he's in the junior PGA. He was actually one of the youngest that you guys had to get like special approval to get him in. In the South Florida PGA, he was the youngest ever at four years old. The minimum is six. And it, they took one look at his Instagram account at Cameron Loves Golf, shameless plug. And they saw his trick shots and they said, okay, let's give him a shot. And they loved him. And then Under Armour took him at five and theirs is, is six and up. And uh, he actually won his division last year in the six to nine-year-old division at five. So he got a free entry to the IMG Academy's uh, annual tournament in February. Um, and then, yeah, and then he had season two was uh, March or April and he got second place and he got to go to Disney and do the Disney tournament in July. And it's a walking course. And after the first day, he was in 12th place out of the 90 best kids in the country. He was the wow. only six-year-old in the top 20. They were all seven and eight. So they were a lot bigger than him. And there he was sitting at a plus two on the first day. And he was in the fourth grouping, the fourth to final grouping. So if you watch golf, you know, like he would have been got teeing off at 1.32 in the afternoon if he was on TV. So that was pretty That's cool. Awesome. He, he ended up getting tied for 20 at the second day. It was a little harder. It was a lot hotter. 
and uh, the other kids did a lot better. And can we remember that he's six years old? That's incredible. I had to give Mark a proud dad. Of course, there. well, that ties into the into the interview, right? Because he's my why. He's why I'm doing this. I would love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. And the way I want you to do that is if you were to meet someone out on the golf course while you're there watching your amazing prodigy of a son <laughs> and you're engaging in conversation, how would you answer the question of what do you do? What do I do for a living? Yeah. What do you do, Mark? I help people make a lot of money in real estate. You know, that's really what I do. If you make money, I make money. And I want to make you as much money as I can in this market. So that's what I tell strangers. I help people make a lot of money in real estate, whether it's buying, selling, investing, you know, whatever it might be. And that's that's what I would tell people. If I met somebody and I had, yeah, 10 seconds to introduce myself, that's what I would do. Here's the follow-up question to that. I ask every class I teach, whether they've had their license for five minutes or 25 years, how many times since you've had your license, have you been asked, how's the market? And so I'm sure <laughs> you've had that question asked of you quite often. So how do you answer that? How do you answer that? How's the market question that we never get? We never get that, right? Uh, when, sell <laughs> when sellers ask me, I tell them the market's hot. If you have a single family pool home in the state of Florida, it's as hot as it's ever going to be. Condos still sell very well in this market. And if you're a buyer, I'll tell them the same thing. There's deals to be had. It's a seller's market, so we can't go crazy on the contingencies and the requests. But there are deals out there, and we can find you your next dream home. So it just depends on what you're looking for and in what market. You know, Naples is a very large market. I think it's the seventh or sixth biggest county in the state. And if they want to be in a golf community, if they want to be by the beach, or if they want to be out in the rural estates, it's nothing like you know, when I was in Miami beach, everybody wanted a beach condo. So it was pretty easy when somebody wanted something, what they wanted, you know, out here, it's, it's just night and day. If I just had someone to come up to me, like on floor time and say, you know, how's the market right now? The market's hot. It's a great time to sell. You're going to make a lot of money. And if you're a buyer, it's competitive. You have to be aggressive, but you can get a good deal on a house if you know what you're doing and you have the right agent. I love that Mark is so positive. I think that that positivity is what really comes across because instead of being that agent in the office that is like, oh, I can't get any business, the, you know, it's so competitive. He's putting the positive spin on it. And that's probably why you are successful doing this. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree. You have to be positive. Um, being negative gets you nowhere. Uh, there are a lot of negative Nancy's people that aren't getting listings and they, they, they'll point to the market report and they'll say, well, look at inventory. It's down. Look at this and look at that. And buyers are, are driving me crazy. I mean, I've been doing this for six months now. I've helped one buyer in six months. That's it. Wow. You know, I've totally, totally dedicated myself to a seller's agent. Like we teach in class. I wanted to see if what we taught was real, you know, if it was really possible to do everything in the book. And, and can you confirm that it is? I can confirm because if I don't have an open house on weekends, do you guys know what I do on weekends? I'm, I play golf. I play golf. Oh, there you go. Duh. Every weekend. <laughs> so if I don't have an open house, I'm playing golf with Cameron or I'm taking him to golf. I don't work weekends. And you can't do that if you're a buyer's agent. I'm sorry. And we did an open house in Verona Walk on Sunday and we had 57 people come through. Wow. Um, 12 or 14 of them were realtors. So they're out there working, they're doing FaceTime showings, they're spending their Sunday there. I closed up, we got our full price offer, I picked up Chipotle and I went home. You know, that was, <laughs> that was my day.
it was very low stress. The open house, it was exhausting. It was three hours on my feet. Don't get me wrong. And we had to get the house, you know, ready. And that involves some manual labor. But the day before I didn't do much. I just played golf. And then having a partner, of course, is nice because we can help each other with days off and stuff. But when you're a buyer's agent, you don't have a life. And that's what I used to teach in class. And I'm sure you ladies do the same thing. If you want your life back, you got to get control of your time. Well, somebody out there has to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So many new agents, when they join the world of real estate, they have ingrained in their mind that they have to work with buyers. And you are, you're, you're proving that that is not the case and that you get to choose who you give your time to. You've said a couple times now that you started in a new city. You, you used to sell in Miami, now you're in the Naples market, and we have a lot of transplants because we work here in Florida. Maybe somebody is starting somewhere else in the country mm-hmm. where they don't necessarily have a strong sphere where they are. What was that like? How long did it take for you to grow your sphere in Naples to secure your first transaction upon returning to the world of sales six months ago? Yeah, I mean, I had my first listing in three weeks, and then I had my first million dollar listing of my career. So keep that in mind. For years, I had my own company in Miami. So I had my first million dollar listing, probably, I think it was 30 days in when I joined Jennifer's team. And it was one that I went after. Basically, yeah, I, hey, I'm in your neighborhood. I'm going to come knock on your door if you're home. You know, turns out the guy was off work. I looked at it. He wanted, he wanted close to a million bucks. So I sold him on what we can do. I called Jennifer. I FaceTimed her because I don't know anything about the neighborhood. I'm like a million bucks in a sterile. You know, she's like, go for it, Mark. So he's like, my wife will be here tomorrow. Why don't you guys come? So me and her went the next day. And uh, the wife was in just the worst mood. I mean, she was pregnant. She just gotten off work. You know, basically, why are these strangers in my house at 630 at night? She had two other kids. Dog was barking. Her her husband had put the house on Zillow and she was probably irritated with him that he did that because it just, it was a bad vibe. And I'm looking at Jennifer, like, we should just probably leave this. We're not really, we're not really welcome here right now. (laughs) And we walked through the house. I mean, we're asking questions. We're relating, you know, we're trying to find that commonality building rapport. He dropped halfway through that. He was from South Florida, from Davie. My wife was from plantation. So I tried to use that. Oh, maybe we know the same people. And I said, well, do you have a few minutes to learn about what we do here at Coldwell Banker? You know, and that's my, that's my close. Let's, let's do a listing presentation. Yeah, sure. And we sat down at the table and the wife sat next to me, the husband across from me. So Jennifer sat at the other end and the guy's just looking at me. He's like, all right, Mark, what do you got? And I'm like, uh, no, that's, that's that's what Jennifer's for. She's the team leader. She's supposed to be doing this. I haven't done a listing presentation in four years. What am I doing? And I was like, okay, here we go. And I, I pulled out my listing presentation and I just went page by page from all of our marketing that we do. We started talking about the brochures and the TV show and all the different things. And then I told them we're going to plan and do this big open house event. I just, from start to finish. And, you know, the wife was like rubbing her, never forget. She's rubbing her pregnant, pregnant belly sitting back in her chair and the husband's like, all right, well, this is a lot to think about, you know, but I really like your stuff. And the wife looks at him and is like, what are we doing? Can we just sign with them and be done? <laughs> and me and Jen look at each other and he goes, uh, oh, okay. You don't want to think about it. She goes, what's there to think about? They're going to sell the house for a million bucks. So when she said that I opened my folder, I took out the listing contract. I just slid it right to the husband and handed him a pen. Here you go, buddy. And he sat there and signed it. 
please know Mark was prepared with the listing contract. <laughs> of course. Yeah, you don't go in there. Well, you have to be. I keep him in my car, number one. But Mark, how did that make you feel? First listing appointment. Hold on. I need to I need to set the stage yes. here. First listing appointment in four years. First million dollar listing ever. And she says, can't we just do this now? What were you feeling in that exact moment? <laughs> Exuberance. Um, just you know, speechless, you know, at first, uh, making sure that I didn't talk myself out of a deal. You know, when they say yes, you stop talking. That's another thing we talk about in AMP class. Uh, and the fact that he signed it and we got in the car and Jennifer and I were like high-fiving in the car and everything like that. And to her, I mean, she had a $4 million listing on the market. So to her, it's like, okay, great. We got it. We got a listing. And I'm like, no, this is a big deal for me. <laughs> you know, like the biggest house I ever sold was 900 grand. And that was in Miami. So, and you know, we did the open house and we sold it at the open house for over asking. So that's awesome. So Mark, you know, we've missed you for six months. Well, we've missed you for longer than that. You've been selling for six months, but you left us prior to that. So my question to you is this. So with the exception of your Wi-Fi, your phone, your computer, um, what is the one thing that you could not do your job without? Well, and I mean, in Naples, it's my car, um, but it's okay, not, that's not the answer car. you're can't looking be your for. Car. Right. No. Well, because, well, you know, because in Miami, I sold a lot of real estate on my uh, scooter. So, um, but in Naples, that's not possible. You got to drive everywhere. So the one thing without, I mean, the Wi-Fi, the phone and the computer in the car, if you eliminate all of that, I mean, I guess it would be my support system. Um, you know, my wife at home, keeping me organized, my partner, Jennifer, um, you know, kicking my butt and motivating me. Um, and then, you know, the agents in the office that are very helpful. So for me, it'd be my support system. Right. Your team. If I was all alone in like a WeWork, like I was before with no one to help me, no one knowing what I'm doing all day. Um, I don't think I would be as successful as I am now because I've done both. I had my own company. I was alone. My wife was raising a baby. I had no partner. There was no one to hold me accountable. Uh, so maybe you could, you could phrase it as that an accountability person, right? Cause even when we mm -hmm. get a listing and we sell it, you know, Jennifer's like me, what's next. Okay, great. We sold something. You, you made five grand, you made 10 grand, big deal. What's next. And I'm like, okay, good. I like that. Yeah. You know, where yeah. before it was like, oh, wow, I made a hundred grand. I'm going to take a month off. I'm, I'm on top of the world. Yeah. I think, you know, that's exactly such a great point. When I was selling my why kept me accountable. And so, and I think it's sort of what you're saying that you need, it, it's great to have our team that we have here that says, okay, move on, fill your pipeline next. And so I'm, that's great. I'm ultra competitive in case you haven't noticed. No. And I happen to find, you know, with, with me partnering with Jennifer, I think I found like the only other person in Naples that's as competitive as me. <laughs> and which is rare because this is not a town of hustlers, you know, right. and I'm a hustler from Miami. So it, I didn't relate to a lot of people over here, even, even managing the office, you know, there's a lot of people from the Midwest that are much more laid back that turn their phones off after six or take a lot of time off or would never door knock because it's intrusive or don't like to cold call because they don't want to bother people. And I'm just like, look, you got a house to sell and I'm going to harass you until you list with me or somebody else. And Daryl Burks in Miami beach taught me that. Basically he was my guest speaker and amp and he, and he came and said, look, I'm going to call you so much that you're either going to list with me or you're going to block my number. <laughs> and, and in Miami, they love it. They eat that right. stuff up. Those, those agents and in Naples, they're just like, Oh my goodness, that's so offensive. <laughs> but 
you know, partnering up with Jennifer, you know, she, she, she's very motivational when it comes to that. And she's competitive too. And when I started getting these listings, it started motivating her like, well, I need to get out there and start getting listings because I got this great sphere and, and, but I'm not getting out of my comfort zone. So when we knocked on that door for that $3 million listing, I mean, that's not something that she would ever do. And she admits that she'll admit that to this day. If you call her and ask her that she would never have knocked on a $3 million for sale by owner. And I, I just knew that he's never going to answer the phone. He's never going to listen to us. We need right. to just go knock on the guy's door. And we were down the street. We were all dressed up with nowhere to go. And I said, let's go do it. We have our stuff in the car. We have our printouts. We have all of our, all of our stuff. What's the worst that's going to happen? So had you done your CMA? Had you done your work for that? No. No. And just get in the house. Let me in the house. If you let me in the house, I will get the listing. And if I don't, it's because That's, you have yeah. a friend, a family member, or I blew the deal by saying something stupid and pissed you off or something like that. <laughs> but if you let me in the house, I got a right. really good chance of getting that listing. And he stopped us at the door and he's like, what do you guys really want? The listing? And Jennifer looked him dead in the eyes. Yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> and then he was like kind of stunned. And I said, so do you want to show us the house or what? I mean, we're here. You have a beautiful home. Why don't you let us in for a little bit? <laughs> All right. Come on in. I love that. And we did it. And then he goes, all right, let's sit on the couch. What do you got? I'll give you 15 minutes. I said, that's fine. All I need is five. <laughs> and he, he kind of chuckled a little bit. And he sat close to Jennifer and far from me. So I slid this stuff over to her. And that's kind of the signal like, all right, you close him now. You know, because we pick up on body language and things like that. Right. Um, and he, he loved what we had to say. And that was it. And next thing you know, we're closing on Tuesday for $3.65 million. What? <laughs> Not bad. Super proud. So proud. I, I, I got I to gotta unpack a little bit of, of what you said. Because the there's question, lots to unpack. there's so much to unpack, but they want to dig a little bit deeper. We To kind of bottom line it, you said pretty support from your family and, and, and having that help at home and that push from your partner. And it sounds like to me that you push her also. It's, that's, that's a real partnership. And, and, and as I'm hearing mm -hmm. this, I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't require anything fancy. You didn't even have to do research on a CMA yet. Just get in the door, just get, get them to, to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So for those new agents that are listening, he didn't say this fancy schmancy expensive tool, this expensive gadget, this expensive CRM. He's got his phone, his car, his Wi-Fi, and his partner and his support. And that's all he needs to make it happen. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And the support too also involves the people that call Bank. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, knowing right. that. Yeah, the office, the team we can turn stuff over to them and they will process the documents, make sure the transaction goes smoothly. The Sunbelt title will handle the closing, you know, smoothly for us. So it's nice to be able to kind of turn a lot of that over. I mean, I really do think that, you know, having that accountability is very important and not everybody has to partner up with somebody. You know, I was, it's my first time I ever partnered with somebody. It was the first time she ever partnered with somebody. So it's not like this is something we were used to, you know, neither of us had ever started a team before. So, you know, you can just have an accountability partner inside the office. You know, you can have right. an accountability partner in a different office. When I used to do virtual AMP, 
you know, agents would, would love other agents in different cities because they're not competing with them directly. And they could compete with each other and track their contacts and who gets the most appointments and who gets the most listings. And they could bounce ideas off each other and they could talk about tools that they're struggling with on how to use them properly. And when you're all alone, you really struggle. And there's a reason why, what is it, 80% of agents yeah. fail in the first year or something like that? 75 85 and five. 85 years, the first five years. But how many in the first year? The first six months, they fizzle out. I mean, if you're a motivated self-starter like I was in Miami, that was fine. But then I hit my right. ceiling, you know? I was happy making 100 grand, 150 grand, but it was never going to be more than that. But at Coldwell Banker, there's no reason why we can't make a million dollars next year. And that's our goal between the two of us to make a million dollars in GCI. So, Mark, that's incredible. We'll see that's what fantastic. happens. That, that, that's a, it's a tall goal. And I know it's a tall goal. I think you might have inspired Laura, Pam, and I to quit our jobs. <laughs> that's right. We're going to go back into sales. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry uh, Wendy. Wendy. That's why I'm on here. I'm trying to recruit agents for me, for my team, for the Jennifer Francesco group. No, I am telling you, I, I think about it all the time. Like, I will tell you the tools, the scripts, I do think about it like, geez, I should go sell. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I, I tell this story a lot. You guys have heard it, but I'll tell it for the listeners. So I didn't want to quit my business. You know, Wendy convinced me to close my brokerage that I had started and was so proud of to come be a sales trainer. I applied for the job by accident, told a different story, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for a year. I'm going to essentially use this job to make myself better. I didn't realize that I would love training so much and stay as long as I did and meet great people right. like Cassie and Laura and Danielle. You know, they, they were all great people and I enjoyed it and I loved helping people and I still love helping people. I still mentor people in the office. So but my first month teaching, I was terrified. I was not a good public speaker. I was terrified of it. That's why I took the job, was to get better at public speaking. And Nancy Corey was my first guest speaker. And she came week four of AMP. Back then, it was four weeks, you know, twice a week. So it was session eight. So it's kind of the get out there and be somebody, you know, the last hurrah kind of thing. And she was so motivational that I called my wife. I said, I think I'm going to quit and go back to selling. And, you know, Gina's like, it's been a month. We already closed the business. We've already told the DDPR to shut us down. Like, and I'm like, I know, but it's like, man, that's just what I needed. Like I needed that six months ago. If I had met Nancy and she told me that I would have never applied for the job. So it's funny how things happen right. for a reason, but that did motivate me. And when I became a manager after I left you guys and I saw firsthand what people are making and then the effort that they were putting in and some not putting in. I was like, wow, if they can do that, what can I do with my drive and all this stuff that I know and all these tools and let's just do it, you know? And I went home and I told my wife, you know, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, go for it. And I didn't think she would say that because we got health insurance. We got a kid. We got 401k matching. <laughs> I mean, we got paid company holidays, you know, that, that was great stuff. That was, that was difficult to do. And it was even more difficult was going into Albert who loved me because I was now killing it as a recruiter, <laughs> which I had never done before and telling him, look, it's been great. It's been a great four or five months together. I know we're, we're killing it in this office, but I got to go, you know, make a lot of money. <laughs> and that's what I told him. I mean, straight up, I'm leaving to make as much money as I can. Cameron's going to be 18 one day. And he's going to be on PGA tour. These are my last 12 years. I got to make a lot of money and that's why I'm doing it. And Albert said, okay, you know, if you got to do what you got to do, don't leave, please stay on. What can I do to keep you? 
And I said, nothing, my mind's made up. And when my, when my mind's made up, it's made up. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those people that second guesses decisions once I make the decision. It's hard for me to make a big decision like that. And, um, but once I made it, I, I, I did it and I felt good about it. And I knew it was the right decision. Uh, it was a Friday, you know, I you know, did my two weeks and it was kind of sad, but I was, I was ready to go out there and make a lot of money. Well, you got to think about how many lives you're changing by doing what you're doing. Yeah. Even now, not necessarily managing anymore, but you've been preaching this for a while now as a real estate sales instructor, as a manager, and you believe it so strongly that you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And now you're showing the people in your office that you used to manage, trying to tell you all this for how long? You know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I remember Margaret, the lady who was in our office for like 16 years as the SSA, she just retired. Um, she just could not believe that I did that, that I, that I just walked into the office and quit as a manager. This great management job, assistant branch manager for the premier office in Southwest Florida, that I gave that up to go be in the sales. And she was like, but you did it. You do. You did what everybody always right. talks about on TV and in motivational things, you know, follow your dreams and all these, these, these corny lines. She's like, you actually did it. You just made up your mind, quit and just jumped in, you know, with nothing. I mean, I had nothing to support me, you know, a savings account and that's it. And I got a kid to, to raise. And look at you. Proof is in the pudding. Why had is what you had. Your wife. <laughs> right, it all you. goes That's full exactly circle. Right. They you... had an opening in the Benita Springs office to be a manager and they asked me to help out. And I was in there alone. Now this was COVID, right? This was January. Right. So no one was coming in the office and I'm sitting in the office and I'll never forget. I went to lunch with my mom and she's like, this isn't you. I don't know why you're pretending to do. And I'm like, what mom? Like, I might have my own office. I'll have my name on the door and I'll be a broker and this and that. And she's like, okay, how long is that going to last? And I, so I went back to the office and it was like, just very quiet. And then an agent called me like at nine o'clock at night, hair on fire. Oh my God, my deal's falling apart. You got to save me. You got to this, you got to that. And I was like, this is not for me, you know? And I knew that that's yeah, the funny thing was that when I was teaching with you guys, you know, like I would tell Wendy that because Wendy was like, where do you want to go with your career? Like, where, where do you want to go? You're going to run your own office. And I used to say to her, God, that sounds terrible. I would never do that. <laughs> Mark, I'll tell you where you go. You start a podcast in hopes to become famous. <laughs> Is that why you're doing? You're trying to be Instagram famous? I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be fun. I, I was going to do Coffee is for Closers as the podcast for the Fifth Avenue office. Um, that was my, that was the one idea I didn't get to launch off the ground. And I was going to interview top agents. Um, I was going to go to different coffee shops like Jerry Seinfeld. I was going to do the whole spiel. That was my plan before I resigned was to do the Coffee is for Closers, you know, podcast. I'm going to name the Mark Middleton episode, Coffee is for Closers. Yeah. But it has to be Cuban. No, I can't do that. That makes me crazy. It's too strong. Too strong. Yeah, I can't be doing the cafecitos and the cafe con, con no, not the, what is it? The cafe con ladas? Is that what it is? Cortaditos. Cortaditos, yes. I didn't roll my R though, sorry. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Albert Yabor, past president of NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, your managing broker, does not make two o'clock coffee at the he office. might i don't know what he does now he might be out there in the i mean i see him going to break room sometimes so it's the rocket you know, he fuel might, he's got a lot of energy i'll give him that he definitely has a lot of energy
It's a Miami yeah. thing. Mark, you've been away from Miami too long. If you can't do the Cuban coffee anymore, we gotta, we gotta fix that. <laughs> no, I'm self-motivated. There you go. <laughs> of course. I don't need caffeine, but that's probably the, the fifth best tool, right? Is your own uh, energy level. Um, this is a horrible job to do if you don't have energy, especially when you're dealing with constant rejection. So, you know, if you're listening out there, you got to get in shape, you got to exercise, you got to, you got to be in a good mood and a good mindset and you can't be tired. I mean, I cannot call Fizbo's if I'm tired. And every time I say, you know what, I'm going to do it at three, four o'clock. I'm not going to do it at four o'clock. Yeah. No, because everyone's tired. I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. But if I, if I do it at five or six, guess what? People are home and they'll answer the phone because at 930, they tend not to answer the phone. So then you got to call them two or three times or text them or yeah. something like that. But you know, in Naples, we're fortunate. I guess this varies by market, though, because I, re- yes. I get asked yes. this, and, and Laura, you probably get asked this in classes a lot. When's the best time to call or when's yes. the best time yes. to knock on doors? Yep. And at first, I, I would agree with what Mark just said. I'm like, yeah, go out at five o'clock. That's right. when people are getting home. But I'll tell you what, if someone now that I'm a mother, someone knocks on my door at five, six o'clock when I am feeding my child after a long day at work, I'm feeding him, I'm bathing him, I'm trying to get to bed, I am not gonna be kind to well, you. Well, that's just the thing, Cassie. I think, and this is, I answer no, the same question. So there's no it. good time and there's no, no bad time. it's whenever time. you're gonna do it. It's, you just have to do it and you have it's to whenever you're gonna do it. Just it's, do it in the morning, just get it done. That's what I tell people, just stop overthinking it. It's the old eat the frog, right? Don't overthink it, get it over with. People are probably listening right now saying, oh, my God, that's so rude. And I would never answer the door. Or, How dare you knock on my door? It's like, all right, well, you have a peephole. You have a ring camera. Don't answer it. It's the same <laughs> thing with your phone. And why are you calling me at nine o'clock? Right. Why'd you answer? <laughs> I love that. Because you're curious, right? I'm curious about your house. What time can I see it? Oh, right. So good. So good. <laughs> I mean, I you know, that. you got to hit them back. You got to use humor. If you can use humor, not everybody can use humor, right? Like, I agree. You know, with me and Laura's sarcasm, like it's easy for us. You know, Cassie's such a sweet person. <laughs> we used to joke about this when Mark was on our uh, team. Loud, I said, I need help. I need sarcasm lessons. And Laura and Mark were my sarcasm instructor. I'm the worst. <laughs> it's how you survive. You got to be able. To- I used humor at every relationship every transaction it just puts people at ease yeah i would i would definitely agree humor is is a huge thing for me so i'm very fortunate that i have that ability to make people laugh um but i'm also interested in people so i try to ask as many questions as i can to find something somebody's got something you know yesterday i was with a a a buyer and she was from philadelphia bam there you go i go right into the philly connection hey go eagles how about carson wentz or whatever i can talk about you know, if they say they're from Miami, easy. You know, I bond with people like that that are from Miami. Um, so I try to find something. You know, a couple came in on floor time from uh, Wisconsin. And <laughs> watch it. I was sitting there chatting them up. And this was like in March. And I was like, oh, where are you from? And they were like, oh, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And every, they're, they're doing their accent and stuff. And I'm like, oh, did you see Aaron Rodgers as the guest host yesterday on Jeopardy? They're like, oh, that started already. And now we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, well, I got you here. Why don't you come inside? I'll get you a water. It's hot out there. Now they're in the office. Now it's over. Go ahead and sign that buyer's <laughs> agreement because I got you. All right. Don't come in the office. The office is full of sharks. So stay outside. <laughs> right. If you come in, it's over. It's- you come in, it's over. And if I get in your house, it's not over. It's pretty close to well- over. I Mark, I feel like we can talk forever and we can, but I'm pretty sure you have Fizbos to go talk to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, but it's got contracts to write. Oh, I did that already. Be- I did it in the morning. 
did it in the morning. Uh, I, the right. I feel so good. If I make my five or 10 contacts, I feel good about the rest of the day. So even at two o'clock, if nothing's going on, I'll sit down on the couch and play Mario Kart cam for 30 minutes. And I don't feel like I'm not working because I made my contacts. Now, if I don't do that, then I feel like I didn't do much, you know, right. and that's the beauty of working with sellers. You know, when you're with buyers, you're out there driving around all day and you come home and you're exhausted. You're on their clock. Um, so mm -hmm. you're on their clock, mm -hmm. right? They work, mm -hmm. they have jobs. Yep you know, for the most part, and if they're, you know, wealthier or self-employed or whatever, you can kind of go when you want, but you know, otherwise it's five, 6 PM Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. And you know, there goes your life. So, well, I'm just going to remind our listeners, Mark got his first listing in three weeks in a whole new market, his first million dollar listing ever within 30 days of doing these things. So um, walking, living, breathing, Mario Kart playing proof right here, right, right here. I love that he said he already made his calls this morning. So I, I must know, are Fizbo's nicer in the morning? Because that was my theory. Uh, now, I'll give you guys a caveat. I'm in a good market. I'm in Naples and people are friendly here. In Miami, they, they're, most of them are horrible. So, you know. <laughs> I know different markets. I wish I could defend different. my people, but I you can't. Read the descriptions of the Zillow Fizbos. All capital letters. Don't dare call me if you're a realtor. I'll block your number. Just nasty stuff. And over here, it's like, hey, right. yeah, come on over. I'd love to meet you. You know? Want some iced tea? Yeah, sure. Come on in. If they're from the Midwest, right? If they're from the Northeast, you might pick up on the Jersey mm -hmm. or New York accent, a little more standoffish, but they're still friendly, you know? And I know people are friendly in Orlando and Tampa and different parts of Florida um, and then different parts of the country. I don't know if everyone's listening across the country, but some markets are di more difficult than others. But in Miami, you have the expireds to go after. There's tons of expireds. Yes, you There's do. There's a lot more expireds of expired. than are here. Well, back to those mean people that say, don't call me, I'll block you. You got to think about, and, and, and I t teach this when, when we teach uh, about FISBOs, is whenever someone gives you a hard time for being persistent or for being relentless and for not giving up and for going back even after they yelled at you and they say, what, like, what? Um, you know, thank them. Thank them if they give you a hard time for being persistent because that's exactly the kind of agent you need to be to make it happen. And that's the kind of agent that they need working for them and representing them mm -hmm. to make I say, it happen. Has anybody else called you this many times, followed up with you, sent you stuff, emailed you, come to your house? No? So who are you gonna right. list with? Cause you're gonna go with somebody. If your house would have sold, it would have sold by now. So stop lying to yourself. <laughs> so, you know, nobody wants it. You're overpriced, you're buried on Zillow, whatever the case may be. You're not home. I mean, my God, Jennifer went on one last week, Fizbo open house, she wasn't home. Like that, that's a new one for me. That's, that's top of the list for ridiculousness. Who was, who was doing the open house? The seller. And she wasn't home for her own open house. So yeah, the door oh was my locked. She couldn't get in. Like, I have, hey, I'm outside. So, I'm like, did they have like a family member? Oh, or no, something? no, yes. Yeah. And, you know, so that, that's what I try to tell people. Even if it says no realtors, all caps. When I see that, that's like a challenge to me. You know, I'll show it to Gina, my wife, and I'll be like, look at this guy. Two sentences. I don't need a realtor, this, that. I don't, oh, okay. Sounds like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this one just out of spite. Right, just because they said it. Just because they said it. 
That's like when my 19 month old son tells me he does not need a nap and he's kicking and screaming, arguing with me. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you need That's right. a nap. <laughs> yes, you actually need the naps. So you know what I do? I press, uh, what is it? Command shift three on my Mac. It takes a screenshot. So when I convert that, I don't need a realtor one. I print it out and I bring it with me on the next one. <laughs> and they say, I don't need a realtor. I'm like, oh, look at this. Look at exhibit A. <laughs> this dude said, said the same thing. And guess what? I sold it in two days for over asking price. This is gold. Yeah, I love that. This is gold. Yeah. Isn't it? All right, we're gonna I miss you guys. I miss you. I miss you, Mark. We're gonna wrap it up on a happy, lovey dovey, wonderful note. And a it's virtual last... hug. With a virtual hug, but also with a final question. I told you when we got started and I gave you your your minutes of daddy pride and you told us all about how great Cam is doing in the golf world. Talk to us a little bit about how your why drives you. Yeah, well, I mean, when I quit my job, I got bills to pay. The paycheck is gone. The safety net is gone. And I know there's a lot of agents that take our classes that had jobs and they, they, would, they probably came to you after class. When should I quit? You know, how much longer? I'm going to do this for six more months. You know, everybody wants that safety net. Well, when it gets pulled off underneath you, it forces you to cold call strangers and knock on doors and go out in the hot sun and walk around and get sweaty and different things that you don't want to do. You know, it's easy when you have a paycheck coming in for you to sit back, do some farming, do some mailers, buy some social media ads, go on Facebook, all the easy oh, stuff, you know, and yeah. then wait for some buyer to contact you, sit on floor so you feel like you're working. You know, we have agents that do 10 to 20 floor shifts a month. They take every floor shift possible. Oh, I got floor. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go get my 10th listing while you're sitting on floor. Okay. And I've had more than 10 listings. 10 listings in six months in a new market where you never sold real estate. Way more than 10. I'm probably, we're probably close to 20 plus. 20 plus since you came on? Yeah. Wow. 20 plus listings. In mm-hmm. six months. We have an $8 million listing right now on Gordon Drive. That was one phone call, one meeting. That's it. We have it. And the number one real estate team in Naples doesn't have it, right? So, That's fantastic. You know, I like being competitive, like I said, but that was one phone call. And how many people do you think called that guy? Did you ask him? He said, yeah, he said five realtors have called me in 30 days. Five. You know why? Because it was $8 million and they were scared. If I call one that's 300 grand, they probably get 40 agent calls. But they think, oh, wow, $8 million. I can't sell that. How, how do I sell that? What do I do? You know, oh, they're going to get called by all the famous people. They're not going to use me. Hey, this guy's sitting around. You know what he said to me? Well, I'm going to be home for the next hour. Do you want to come by and meet me? He, he set the appointment with me. I almost dropped the phone. You're like, that was easy. My partner, Jennifer, wasn't in the office yet. She comes rolling up. I'm standing out front waiting on her because we always ride together. And uh, she's like, what's going on? I said, get in. We're going to Gordon Drive. I'm like, what? Yeah, let's go. You know, and everybody in Naples knows, you know, it's a made, made, you know, very famous road. Um, and yeah, that was it. The one meeting. So because nobody was calling. And it's just remarkable that an $8 million listing was sitting out there for someone to just take. That's great. That's awesome. So, so Mark removed the safety net. He knew he had golf mm-hmm. lessons to pay for, medical, you know, insurance to pay for, uh, a mortgage to pay for, and so he went out and made it 
happen. Yep. And if you listen to any of the top agents, they'll tell you the same thing. Yes, I would agree. If you ever follow like Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing, who I love and I idolize, um, somebody like that. I mean, what did he do? Went to New York with nothing. Tried to be a hand model. You know, now he's what the number two agent in the entire city. Has his own company now, hugely famous. Um, so just little things like that. But you don't do it working part time at Staples, you know, and selling real estate in the morning. You can't. It's impossible. Yep. All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Mark, you're you're just literally the personification of what we teach. So, like, uh, this is such a great interview for me because. Any agent that's listening that either has taken it or hasn't taken any of our classes might say, wow, okay, maybe I should plug in. Maybe I should uh, think about my attitude, think about my why and learn some stuff and put it into action. So I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Because uh, you were, you're one of us. Yeah, I was at one point, you know, and I used to tell agents that too in class, you know, when I would tell them to go out there and do this or that or try this. Um, I was like, cause you don't want me out there competing against you for a listing presentation. And they would chuckle. Wah, wah. You know, and, oh, I have said that exact phrase in my classes. Don't push me. Yeah. I'll don't be push there. me. You know, and I've said that before. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I have golf lessons to pay for. <laughs> yeah. And golf tournaments and golf attire, and, you know, a push carts, $300. Like this stuff's not cheap people. So. <laughs> But it's okay. At least I tell at least I tell people that too though. When I meet a seller, I'm like, just so you know, I don't I don't party, I don't do anything, I don't go to trips to the Maldives. I, I golf with my son and I sell real estate. So if you want to know where your commission's going, it's to the, the next Tiger Woods right here in front of you. There we go. That's the best. So when so when Cam is walking away with these crazy purses from all these PGA tours that he's gonna win, you can retire early. That's great. Yes, that's what I'm hoping to buy me a house in 12 years. But in the meantime, I'll pay for his. There you go. Well, that's so kind of you considering he's six. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our time together. Mark, thank you so much. You're for, welcome. I mean, it was so great. That Mark Middleton. What a fun conversation. Oh my gosh. How fun was that to have Mark? Mark, thank you so much. I know you're still listening. So Mark really showed us how to put those words into action. What a great talk we just had. Just another example of when you put the work and the actions right. and the scripts it's, into play, how right. that can lead to success. Scripts work, scripts work. I think what he shared applies to everyone. Whether you're new to the business or you've been in the business for years, what he's doing is working. Guys, this was awesome. We are gonna go ahead and wrap up, but we will see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Next week, we'll be talking to Nancy Clock Corey, the Regional Vice President of Florida's Southeast Region, about her father, the original Prezi, and how that has affected her personally and professionally. Tune in. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, and review wherever podcasts are found. And share this episode with a friend. Join us next week for another unfiltered conversation about real estate. This is Pam, Cassie, and Laura on Resi Talk, reminding you to leave your mark.